I've been searching What most people say just can't be found But you always find me out Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're we're doing our best to, to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Can't compare with what you're worth. Today we're going to talk about Steve's list of things that's been on his mind. Turns out it's a long list, we don't get too far, and we solve the issue of women's roles in the church. Or uh, at least, uh, okay, maybe not, but great conversation coming up. I had been screaming all these messages. Good evening, Nathan, how are you? Hey, Steve. Uh, it, I'm cold. <laughs> it's just you and everybody else in the world right now. Yeah. Well, How are you? Cold. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I shoveled the the sidewalk and driveway, which was super cold, but surprisingly easy because when it's this cold, the snow doesn't even stick to anything. Oh, it's and it's nice and oh, light and so fluffy. fluffy. Yeah. The, I wish we knew. You know, uh, Eskimos are supposedly have you know. 10, man, I'm showing my ignorance here. Multiple different words for snow. Yeah, I've heard 70. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Seven, yeah, there, there we go. 70 words for snow. And I need to know at least three of them because shoveling the snow in May, I'm not shoveling the snow. I'm doing something else. I need a different word for that. Yeah, and I just realized that when you're a kid, this is the worst kind of snow because it doesn't make a snowball. You can't. You can't make a snowman yeah, or a fort. No forts. It's the worst. It is As an adult, yeah. it's like the best because it's just like light and fluffy. You just kind of throw it up in the air and it yeah. flies away. Sometimes it just blows away on its own. <laughs> yep. I had two. Uh, I love this. I love the cold. I love when it's so cold that you can smell how cold it yeah. is. Um, I call that crisp air. I just love that. Um, but I my pipes f- are frozen right now in the kitchen. Really? So that's, I had a blow dryer going on. Uh, like directly on the pipe for hours today, and I cannot oh. unfreeze it. It happens every winter, and I, I, I can't figure out how to, how to solve that. But, but nothing has burst. Um, so you just don't have any water in the kitchen. I just don't have water in the mm-hmm. kitchen. Um, so there, there's worse things. And then I, my garage, something to do with expansion and contraction. It, uh. When I hit the button, I didn't realize it didn't go up all the way, but it went almost up all the way. And so I went to the store today and knocked the antenna off the top of my car. (laughs) So that was, I was like, oh man, you know, I feel like life things like that when they happen, um, it's like, you know, what, what was I supposed to do? You can't see it in the rear view mirror. You know, it's never happened before because it, I guess I haven't opened the garage when it's negative five degrees outside. Like that shouldn't count, <laughs> but, but it counts. I'm sorry for so, your loss. Got it. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's been, it was still a good day. So. Well, I, I thought today we, I wanted to kind of continue on our topic sort of that we've did, we did a bit of kind of, we just kind of hit this last week a little bit as far as things we were taught accidentally or that we learned accidentally that we're unlearning or rethinking. Um, yeah. It's kind of a big list, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, I I tried to, I'm trying to not uh, like approach every single one of these episodes with caveats about everything, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think <laughs> we got to get our apologies right? out of the way first. Didn't though, mean to for, offend. I'm sorry, you know, etc. Yeah. Well, I, when you we talk about things you learn accidentally, first of all, that's already a caveat because a lot of a lot of things that, you know, we're taught things with good intention or we do things with good intention. And it, and when you accidentally, by doing that, teach someone else, it, I feel like it's, you know, it, it isn't, a, it's not a condemnation of, 
of that society or those people. True. Um, cause I, I, I've been thinking a lot about how th- there is no way I can escape accidentally teaching my son a bunch of stuff. He's going to have to unlearn as an adult. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hopefully it's different, you know, I'll get some of the good stuff, but, but there's going to be stuff in there that, you know, I'm, I want him to learn one thing, but by my relationships or the way I treat work or money or the way we, I talk to him, I'm, I'm going to be teaching him other stuff too. So, yeah. Every parent's going to mess up their kids in one way or the other. It's just a question of how. <laughs> yeah. It's just a question of how. So I think a lot of this stuff, it's not an, an indictment as much as a good practice. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of the things that I've, a lot, one of the reasons I kind of wanted to do this podcast with you is, um, but I, I kind of wanted to bounce some things off of you and like, I don't want to go deep into what every one of these topics kind of hit the high, highlights um, and kind of get your, your thoughts. But as, as I mean, cause every single one of these could probably be a full episode on their own and they probably will be eventually. Um, but I, I, most of these are not unlearning things. A lot of these things that I have on my list, anyway, I don't know about your your list if, if we get to it, um, is more unlearning or rethinking stuff, but I didn't count them all up. But there's things that kind of came into my mind. I have them categorized as church-related, um, theological, and I didn't have no else to call it like topical. Man, yours is going to be a lot more organized than mine, <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to so, hear this. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Church, topical, theological. You you pick. Whew. I don't I don't know if there's landmines anywhere. So let's say let's let's start with church. All right, church. That's good. So some of the stuff is what we hit on a bit last time, uh, as far as related to Church of Christ stuff. Um as as we said before, the the thing that I grew up getting the vibe of. Uh, only people going to a church of Christ are going to go to heaven. And mm-hmm. if you talk to someone who is a member of the church of Christ, they would not say that the church of Christ is a group or especially not a denomination. They would say that right. the church of Christ is a descriptor. And so they would say that anybody who is a member of the church of Christ is going to heaven. And therefore the Venn diagram is like completely overlapping only people yeah, in- and and because they're it's a definition thing they're they're kind of like by definition the the people in the kingdom are the church of christ right and and it, right. that's um, accurate i mean right the term church of christ is what it's one of the terms used in the bible to describe the church it's the church that christ founded so it's the church of christ um and it goes back to the Naming Bible things by Bible names, uh, thing that we talked about last time. And uh, but anyway, I you know what I mean by that. As far as it's the, it's the idea that you have to go to that church building t- type of thing in order to get to heaven. So like yeah. I'll just hit that because we kind of hit that last time. Um, so worship stuff, uh, musical instruments are wrong. Uh, if, if it's a worship to God. Yeah. The, both of these so far, by the way, um, like the church where I went to and my, my parents who are church of Christ, um, I was never told these things, but I, I learned them into my gut somehow. That's kind of just by the, almost by talking around them. Just osmosis. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, osmosis. So that I know there are churches where maybe from the pulpit someone yeah. might say that and i i never had that experience but it still made its way in which is yeah, I, I definitely had the experience of um talk, being taught multiple times even in all the way through university um having classes about how musical instruments are wrong in that they are not how god wants us to approach him and I think that I last time I kind of tossed out there that how the verse that saying sing and make music in your hearts was kind of the 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 core verse to say why we need to do this. 
I mean, there's a lot more to it. There, there's, you know, historically, Christians didn't use instruments for a long time um, until I think it was around the sixth century, if I remember correctly. And wow. and the term a cappella means of the church, a cappella, a cappella. and so even the, the term, it's like his, historical evidence, uh, uh, archaeological evidence, and all this stuff all adds up to mean that musical instruments are wrong. And I think the reason I, uh, there's a lot of reasons I started rethinking that, but I, uh, I, I, I guess I don't want to go into the whole thing right now as far as all the verses and uh, it comes into a, the type of hermeneutic that you use and how you translate some words and sure. Yeah. I mean, it can get, it can get complicated. And it, I, I feel like that one, um, my, my perspective is different because I, I grew up in this and going to the same church and, you know, multi-generational in, in the church of Christ. But, um, my parents listened to, Christian worship music, you know, uh, Christian rock or whatever it was mm-hmm. when it was just Amy Grant and Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, and, um, but I had some friends who they weren't allowed, they weren't allowed to listen to Christian music, but they were allowed to listen to like ACDC or, you know, they, they were allowed to listen to rock music as long as it wasn't worshiping God. And so that that always felt like such a weird, um, a weird line to me. And so I kind of grew up thinking, uh, acapella, you know, only human voices singing is beautiful and cool and very democratic, mm-hmm. very uh, equalizing. Um, but, um, so I, I came to it, not, not from thinking though, that there was any problem with, with using instruments in a church. And so then when I encountered um, mostly in college, like papers or pamphlets that were specifically addressing that issue, um, they looked like someone doing backflips flips to me. That's interesting. I, I, especially when you got into my teen years, um, Christy jokes about how I grew up in the forties because <laughs> the, right. the music, the music <laughs> that I loved was like, uh, Pat Boone and like all these old singers and I lo- I love the oldies station. And so I didn't right. really get into some of the new quote unquote bad music that of the eighties and nineties that some of my friends got into, but I always, I never ever got into the, like you mentioned Christian rock stuff or, and my parents never did yeah. either. Um, yeah. And on, and my dad Grew up in a Church of Christ in Nebraska that had a piano. What? Yeah. There's 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 quite a few sprinkled around the the Midwest. Wait for like for like a lunchtime or there? <laughs> no, like full on <laughs> piano. I think they may have had an organ too. I think, but uh, for a piano for sure. And wow. I remember him telling telling me how he didn't like it not really from a theological perspective, but he said he didn't like it because there's always a problem. If, if the piano player was sick or whatever, then the singing sounded <laughs> bad because everybody's relying yeah. on the piano to hold the tune and whatever. And how it's just so much simpler to just sing like wherever you are and, and have it sound beautiful and all those things, hundred percent. Yeah. T- to be very honest, I much, much, much more prefer just acapella singing, four part harmony. It, it's beautiful, um, but and it's a preference thing, and it just comes from that's how I grew up, I think. But um, yeah, so it, that that's a that's a big that's a big long rabbit hole, and um, we can get into that if if we really feel like at some point down the, down the path. But suffice it to say, I, I think that God is much less specific than we'd like him to be about some uh, worship stuff. And uh, there's examples all throughout the old Testament and through the Psalms about like make music with harps and trumpets and 
gongs and cymbals and all this kind of stuff, I don't think God cares. I think it, the make music in your heart when you sing to God is is about what your heart's saying. It's not about what where the music is quote unquote being made. It's about where where yeah. is your heart? Are you you can go to a mega church with a band and your heart cannot be in it, and it could be in it. Just like you can be singing in a four part harmony in the Church of Christ, and it's the same problem that could be there. Oh yeah, the and we should dive into the music rabbit hole sometime because I have weird uh, music baggage um, that we should oh, talk nice. about sometime. But it, um, I I do think you know it also ties into what we said, which is like if if you're looking at the Bible for an order of worship, it's it's so terrible yeah. at that. The Bible did a horrible job of letting us know what should and should not happen in a church building. Yeah, well, things are a lot more clear looking back at the Old Testament as far as how the how yeah. the priests were supposed to do things. So it's very, very, very specific. But Jesus came along and he made it a lot more about our relationship with him. And right, he he even did some things that the the Jewish people at the time were like, that's, that's like, it's like a music. That's like rolling a piano into church of Christ. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you exactly. thinking? He, he, he did a lot yeah. of stuff like that because he, he was trying to say that this is better than that in a lot of instances. The rain is falling hard on this dusty ground. I got no way of knowing what will grow. Did you grow up learning about like the five components of worship? No. You, my my Church of Christ education is is mostly osmosis. Okay. So there was singing, praying, preaching or learning, giving, and um shoot, what's the fifth one? Uh, I may have to cut this out because I completely forgot what the five are. I was going to write with maybe. Encur- is there an encouraging each no, other one or something? No, nothing. There's nothing to do with encouraging or anything like that. Seeing scripture. That's what it was. Reading scripture. And it, 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 I, this is don't require a lot of discussion or whatever. It's just I remember thinking that if you didn't have those components, it's kind of like if you didn't. Some people think that if you don't have a proper uh, invitation at the end of the sermon to have people come forward and give their life to Christ and be baptized, then there's something wrong. I mean, I, yeah. I've given sermons at places before and not done that. And because sometimes the like the sermon, the topic is not about that. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to just throw in an invitation at the end of it. Um, so, I, but, and I've had people chastise me for not doing that. Um, yeah. But, and it, it's, it's all this worship stuff that, that we, it's kind of our, our individually baggage. Um, and along this, along those lines is, and I think that this is where a lot of the issues we were mentioning last time came from this idea that worship is what you do on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. I I would say I I didn't know the f- the five things, but I've definitely been in the car or said this or heard this. Hey, how was you know how how did how was worship yeah. or what what did you think about worship? And just that sentence is kind of accidentally saying we just did a thing. It was the thing that happened in the sanctuary of a church, although we have a different the auditorium. Um, and it had a beginning and it had an end. And usually my answer is like, well, I didn't really like the songs that they picked and, and the singer was, you know, did everything slow and, you know, like, uh, like a, it's a, I don't know, a movie. Um, and I've, I still have a big chunk of me that feels this way and, and is holding on to this, but I've been trying to progress towards, uh, Worship is what 
the the mountains are doing right now. Yeah. Worship is what bunnies are doing and that the wind is doing and that the stars are doing. And it should also be what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's what and, you do all the time or should be. Yeah. And I really like uh, C.S. Lewis in a couple of his um, couple of his books, but especially in the, the sci- sci-fi trilogy. Uh, Out of the Silent Planet and Paralander and all of those. Yeah. Um, he, he's working on some theological ideas in those, you know, f- works of fiction, but one of them is worship. And so he, he has some astrological worship sequences. I'd forgotten that. Um, that are, that are just, I, I thought were, were really cool, but, um, I'm definitely tr- like, it, it's hard. So I, I, I wasn't taught those things, but I certainly accidentally learned learned those things. Yeah, and like I I was listening to a sermon today by another guy here in town, and um, he was talking about worship, and he was he even made the point that you know he's like people talk about they they may not like worship or whatever the songs, just like you said, but he's like worship is everything that you're doing, and and uh, so it's not. It's not a Church of Christ thing. It's not a Catholic thing or whatever. I think it's it's an idea that it's easy to think that when the times on Sunday where I'm singing and or whatever that is the worship of my life, and the rest of my life is just living my life. But there's so much in Scripture about how just you should be pouring out your life as as worship, and just like the the pray ceasing pray without ceasing thing, you know it it it's just part of your life. So that's something that I'm um it's it's not that I was taught the wrong thing it's just that I I think I have a problem that a lot of people do is that they they kind of un, unconsciously think that that's what worship is. And so reminding my it's like a day-to-day thing reminding myself that worship is much more than singing a song or saying a prayer. I I think I have this thing and and I would guess that it's a universal human desire. I want to have parameters and limits and bounds and descriptions and names for things. So I, I, if, if I'm supposed to do something, I want to know how, am I doing it right, right now? Yeah. Am I like, what, how do I know that I've done it? Um, it's, I feel like it's so natural to want to have the five things for anything in life. Like how should a preacher dress? Yeah. Well, like this, you know, or, um, like, how can, you know, um, how do I know, like, how much should I give? Just tell me the amount and then I'll just do that. Right. Because that's or, comfortable. Because I don't have to think about it. Yeah. And and it's also attainable, or at least you know where you are in relation to what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I've, um, on uh, in college, every year after in the summer, we'd go on a week or two long band tour and stay in a different church every oh, day. Yeah. And so uh, one of the reasons is, uh, you know, th- there'd be churches that maybe had a separate fellowship hall from where they worship, and, and they they really needed to know, like, hey, is what we're doing right now worship? Because that's got to happen here. Is what we're doing fellowship? That can happen anywhere, but worship shouldn't happen here because there's a basketball hoop. Right. You know, so I, I feel like part of what wanting to do things the right way as humans, we want it to be really clearly defined. Yeah. And, but it's not, yeah. Having super, super <laughs> defined things is, is nice. Um, that's how the Israelites had things set up is very nice and very defined, very good boundaries and things like that for the most part. Um, so it's, it's totally a human thing. Like you said, to try to find those things or if they're not there to create them for ourselves. And I don't fault anybody for doing that. Um, Just trying to look beyond it a little bit. Is it love for me or resentment for the words that I spoke? But the sky is pouring down, so either way, we'll know. Um, So next thing is women's roles in the church. This has become a huge thing for me recently for a lot of reasons that I'll not get into, but the, the, the core of it, the way I grew up and the way 
most churches of Christ and a lot of other churches and Catholic churches famously, um, women are supposed to be silent in the church. Um, I guess unless they're singing or sometimes reading a scripture during class, if they're sitting in the right spot and they're not, or <laughs> commenting as long as they're not in front of the class. Yeah. I mean, there's all these like backflips, like, things that are like caveats to like, that's not, you don't have to do it that way. Really? Um, and there, but the boundaries that it'd be weird to describe them because it's like, Oh, this is okay. Cause we're in a, you know, we're sitting in a circle and we're doing this. This is not okay. It's not written out anywhere. If you did write it out anywhere for how kind of our church figured it out, I'm sure it's slightly different at, at many different, you know, congregations. Um, but so the, the rules are, are vague, um, and they're not written down, but it would be very clear if you violated one of them. That's what, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. That's what I mean. It's like the the rules are really fuzzy, but don't worry. You'll know. It's kind of like the Supreme court talking about pornography. It's like, well, define pornography for me. Well, I can't, but I'll know it when I see it. (laughs) Right. Or it's like, what's the difference between a, a men's bathroom and a woman's bathroom? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. You could walk in, but as soon as you realize you're in the wrong one, you're going to start sweating, <laughs> right? Your, your adrenaline's going to go off. So, um, yeah. So this this became a kind of a sticking point with with some folks, uh, and recently, and so I thought, okay, I've read books about this. I've been taught one thing my whole life, and like my. my my gut, as you talked about last time, how unreliable that can be. My gut was telling me that I that it's okay that women should be able to do stuff in church too. And I thought, okay, I don't want to trust my gut necessarily right. if something's right or wrong. And and so let's let's dig into this. So over this past year, um, I've had a lot of free time, <laughs> as most of us have. <laughs> And so I, I read, I've read a couple books about it um, on kind of both sides of the, the, the aisle, I guess. And I even went so far as to get a, a track down a copy of the Mishnah that, um, which was, which is basically the writings of rabbis during the, that it's basically the, the book of it's like the Bible commentary that Jesus would have had. Yeah. The rabbis written before Jesus came along, what, like their take on scripture was. And a lot of these walls that we always talk about, the Pharisees built up. It wasn't just the Pharisees. It was lots of, lots of walls around rules or like women should be this way. This is what, how a divorce should go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason I wanted to do that was because there, um, I think it, it informs a lot of what scripture has to say about women interacting in a religious sphere. Because some of the the things that are attributed to Paul that he wrote are confusing, vague, you know, grayish, um, and sometimes cultural. Sometimes which, cultural, right? Yeah, and it, but, when's it culture? When's it not? Yeah, how how can you know? Yeah, and um, or it's it's not always easy to. to yeah, know. and looking at the gospel accounts of Christ's life, we know how he treated women. Like he talked to like the Samaritan woman at the well talking to her while one-on-one was like, wouldn't have happened. Not that's to regard that's ridiculous. Not only was she Samaritan, but worse than a Samaritan, she was a woman. And yeah. Oh yeah. How it's clear that women were um, part of his ministry. Um, There's a woman mentioned in acts who uh, she's referred to as an apostle. Um, But it, she's she's clearly a, a teacher um there are other women in acts that are teachers and so i wanted to find out if if jesus included women in his ministry what did that say about how he saw the culture at the time and that that influences and that kind of plays off of the things that paul would have written about them etc cetera, etc cetera. so without spending the, the entire evening tonight talking about women's roles in the church. Um, Jesus was a, a very much anti 
cultural for his time. Not just about yeah. quote unquote religious y stuff, but about women. And he had women following him as disciples would follow a rabbi. And that would have never been allowed for women to do that to, to follow a rabbi. And so things like that make you see how the way Jesus treated women in his life was very egalitarian. And it, it, he, he tore down these walls that we keep trying to put back up. And it's, it's to the, I, I have studied this to the point where I, I'm, I honestly think that it is wrong to prohibit women from doing things in, with, in church. And it's, it's, it's beyond, I, I mean, I mean, I really think that it's, it's wrong. It, it'd be like if you woke up one day and you went to church and suddenly you find out that black people are not allowed to preach and, and teach anymore, unless you're, you're preaching and teaching to a black person or a kid. We would right. not allow that. Yeah. But we we tend to allow that to be that kind of thing to be done with women. And I think I think it needs to stop. I would say I think it's damaging to the men in those churches, to the women in those churches, and uh and then to how we I mean to someone who comes in. I I have I have the same thing. It it's so hard for me to I was also taught taught that um, that I mean women shouldn't be. Um, I mean, I, I went to this church where we we wouldn't pay women if if it was a ministry. Mm-hmm. So if you know if we had a a woman in charge of let's say the children's ministry, we would do that, but but we wouldn't have a paid. We wouldn't pay her to do that, even if maybe we, we should, or or she deserved that because now we've we've made her into a into a minister. Yeah. Um, we have a secretary who's female, um, but she, I guess she's not um, in a leadership position, but it's so hard. Some of my biggest tie ups have to do with where, like you mentioned, my gut says this can't be right. Um, but everything that I've been taught by words and then by, you know, the, the accidental stuff around those words, the, the actions and, and just tradition and that kind of thing um, are so strong that a, a lot of these areas, um, I, I have a lot of them, but uh, women leadership is one that, that I, I struggle with. Um, I mean, the, the biggest, the huge one that is in this category of things that I'm like, I think we've gotten this wrong. I think that we're doing damage in this view and uh but i know the bible verses that are how m- my church tradition got to this the biggest one is homosexuality oh yeah it's on my list down later <laughs> but um but at least women's roles in the in in the church they're like you said i think a thing that i'm trying to do better at um that i wish uh i had done more of my whole life is um Paying attention to Jesus's actions. Yeah. And I know that it's kind of obvious, but his words were extremely important, but often his actions were even more important. Mm. And the the woman at the well is such a great example of that because if you come to it from a Western modern perspective, the story is about how Jesus calls a woman a racist, a racist slur and demeans her and uh, about her moral life. Right. Um, but if you, you know, he, he jokes about her being a dog, um, which is what, and I say jokes, that's not how a lot of people are going to read that. But if, but if they know that the context that Jesus, even, even being in the same place with her is him lifting her up. Yeah. Is him saying, I, I see you as a human being and I, and a valuable thing. And and it would have been. And his disciples, you know, if they, if they were there, they'd it, it'd be the same thing as the kids. How, why are you talking to these kids, Jesus? Right. You know, um, and so he kind of goes along with this this thing, and and in my view, he, I think he jokes with her and, and kind of teases her a little bit because she knows that he's he's completely different than any 
Israelite Jew that she's ever encountered in her life. And probably in her own culture, any man. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, if, if we, if we miss the actions, we kind of miss the things like, uh, women paid for Jesus's ministry and were involved and he, he acknowledged them and they touched him sometimes. And, and even they were the first to, to witness his resurrection. The men didn't believe him because they were women, but (laughs) because um, they were women. Yeah. Yeah. And even the writers, I think by the time they're writing the gospel, obviously we're starting to get it even from their cultural with their cultural baggage. And so I'm going to get it wrong if it's Matthew or Luke who the, you know, the genealogy of Christ, it focuses on these specific women of faith. Yeah. And Rahab and Rahab. And I can't believe that's Ruth. the only one. Ruth. Um, it's a big one. He's a rebel. <laughs> but if I, so if I had a daughter, I think I would have gotten to this quicker um, because I think that women, well, so that I have this thing that I, I'm going to call second degree theology okay, or uh, theology once removed, which is when you have one position, but because maybe it doesn't quite line up with the Bible or maybe there's a little bit of inconsistency in it somewhere you have to do a uh, secondary theology to kind of m- make it work. So the second degree theology is, you know, the, we're not seeing women up up there in church. And so uh, women are learning by that. I shouldn't, I don't pray aloud. Yeah. Um, I don't read scripture aloud or, um, and I think what, a thing that I learned and one of the secondary degree theology things that went along with that was, well, I know there are all these women that really want to step into this and that it's kind of hard to drag the men into this, but that's because it's women's temptation to lead and it's men's temptation not to. Yeah. So the, so the, uh, I think we made that up. Yeah. Um, I, I, and and part of that too, other th- second degree theology around that had to do with, which was pervasive for a long time, was the weakness of women. Absolutely, like the inability of women to to study maths, <laughs> yes. or, um, you know, yeah, the, uh, the the frailty of females, and 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 the fact that it it was actually the the Christian thing to do to protect them from those things, um. So I, th- but those are things we kind of added on, but it, it instructs on accident. Uh, so one of the things I wrote down is that women are not as smart as men is a thing that I was, I learned accidentally was w- women shouldn't be doing this because it all go wrong. Yeah. And by the way, that bleeds into maybe Hillary Clinton, you know, I mean, a female president would be a problem because women can't handle this kind of thing or, um, I, I mean, it, it, it definitely feeds into, it doesn't just stop in the auditorium. Those things, uh, they bleed over into life. Yeah. And I, that to me is one of the saddest and most frustrating aspects of this idea that has hung around for so long. And it, to be clear, this is not a, a new concept that like women should be allotted, like if you look back in history, women were allowed to do stuff for quite a, like for big chunks of church history. And a lot of this, it, it ebbs and flows with the current cultural misogyny level, <laughs> I guess. Because what Jesus was trying to do, he lived in an age like most of ancient times where men were in charge, men did the stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And women were like very, very low-class citizens. And he came in and treated women completely different as equals on and on. You give lots of examples of that. But we are still stuck in a, an age where women can do everything else a man can do. They're allowed to do everything else in society. 
But you get into the church building with other members of of Christ's body, the most sacred place and sacred relationship, suddenly women can't do stuff. Not allowed. And it does send the met these unsaid messages of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Um and that that breaks my heart and Honestly, having a, a daughter like I do is one of the things that really made me start thinking hard about this because I, I want her to I – my dream for her is not to be a preacher. <laughs> it's not to lead singing at church. You know, My dream for her right. is to yeah. see herself in a relationship with God as, as worthy of that relationship just as anybody else is worthy of that relationship. And I know not, not every woman who is in a, a church who restricts their, their activities feels this way. Some are just fine with it, and that's fine. But there are a lot of women out there who, like Christy, my, my wife Christy, for example, she doesn't want to do anything at church, like as far as like up, up in front of people. I, in church, I mean, like in the worship time, she doesn't want to do that stuff, but it it's grating to her that she's not allowed to. If that makes sense, because it it's just it's yeah, it's a sure. it's a rights thing, and it's a you're seen as different and less than. And people, I'm sure people listening to this are like screaming at in in their head about like these verses that you know women are to be sent in the church and asking you know all this stuff. And we can get into all that at a different other time as far as how what those are really trying to say and what which of those are are um, cultural, et cetera, et cetera. But either way, you cannot deny the fact that when you have a church set up where approximately half the population is not allowed to do stuff, whereas men are allowed to do everything, you may say, well, they're not as good at teaching kids, but well, they're allowed to. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's very detrimental and, and we're honestly, I, there, there's definitely some evidence out there that we are losing where people are like leaving Christ completely like leaving God because yeah. why would I be a part of, if I can do everything else in the world, I like, I'm a high powered lawyer woman, Right. I can do everything else in the world that a man can do, but I go to church and I, I suddenly I'm a, I'm a second-class citizen. I don't want to be a part of it. Please don't turn away Please don't hide your face I, I feel like one of, the, one of the things that like we've accidentally done too is we turn church into the main event mm-hmm. and also we, we turn church into, into a thing. So we, the first boundary we drew was just what is church? Because, um, in our, in our tradition, and I'm sure many others, uh, Monday through Saturday, you, you can serve, you can give, you can, uh, have discussions around a meal. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, I mean, there's certainly traditions where the the woman's not doing that, you know, in a marriage or, or whatever. But um, just thinking about even small group, small group is when you get to cheat by having church in a house and the women get to do stuff all of a sudden. Yeah. So the, so one of the problems is we drew this boundary around church and said, let's make this holy. And now let's figure out what the rules are for this. Instead of, you know, what if the boundary was, um, Let's commemorate Jesus every week. And when Christians are together, what are some useful things that we should be doing that are going to help us the rest of the week? Because one of those things would be encouraging and and learning and and uh, you know sharpening each other. And I can think of several women from the church I grew up with that I just I would love to hear their class. Oh, absolutely. Your mom. I would you know I would love to hear your mom's just recurring. Once a week, you know, forever. She she could just do a class once like a week. What's going on in her head right yeah. now? <laughs> what? Yeah. What did you last research? And 
you know, where's the slideshow? And I want to hear, I want to hear that. And, um, and you know, the, the men who are stepping into this stuff at, I think at a lot of churches are also a, a small minority. A lot of people are not, uh, the kind of people who want to get up and teach. Right. right? Like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld says most, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld. I may be misattributing this joke, but the number one fear of Americans is public speaking. And the number two is death. So at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. (laughs) That's the joke. Um, So, and also people are gifted at at very many different things. And so I do think it's a shame when the, um, I'm thinking of specific women that I love when they speak up in class because of their, their intense, uh, first of all, relationship with Jesus and, also deep study of the word of God. Yeah. And we're missing out so, on all that stuff. I mean, we get the occasional comment in class, like you mentioned, but there's so much more that we could be learning and hearing, like I remember what some of the first times I ever heard a woman pray out loud. Like I was, I, I kind of, it kind of floored me a little bit because not necessarily because of the difference between men and women, I guess. My guess is that it's, it's that men are, you're kind of trained to how to pray, how to pray a prayer. This is how public prayers go. You know, there's like, yeah. we even joked at one of the churches, Christy and I were out shortly after college, that like some guy would pull up like, oh, prayer of 35, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, there was sure. no prayer book, but it's like, this is the, type of prayer. But women, having not been allowed to do that or having not been taught in their Timothy class or whatever it was, that this is how you pray, that they are much, it seems to be much more from the heart. Like I love hearing my wife and my daughter pray because it, it it's different than I yeah. pray. And the reason I started thinking through this, a lot of this really seriously is one of our f- mutual friends, Dane, uh, I, I was in charge of, at the, near the beginning of the pandemic, I was in charge of um, organizing who at church did what, like for worship, scheduling-wise. And I remember I, I texted him once, and I'm like, hey, um, can you do the like the Lord's Supper talk this coming week or whatever? And he's like, I think I'll pass. And I'm like, oh, just, just busy? He's like, I don't think that I don't feel comfortable doing a job that my only qualification is that I'm a guy. I'm like, whoa. Because his wife would give such a better <laughs> no like she would. <laughs> it's it's like if my wife was a lawyer and you called me and were like, Hey, could you represent me in this case? I'd be like, Well, if you want to lose, but you know <laughs> Yeah, but I and I realized <laughs> at that moment that this is the way that things have always been. I'm just kind of going along with it, hoping that maybe one day it'll kind of shift. And when he put it that way, I'm like, holy cow, what what are we doing? Something needs to change. And so that's, that's when I started really getting into this. And I, I'm ever thankful for him to just knocking me out of my rut, I guess. And and by standing up for that, and saying I will, he's like, do not put me on the list anymore because it's you know kind of it's a form of protest a little bit. Yeah, um, kind of putting words in his mouth, but that that's kind of what it was, and that that meant a lot to me because I it and I I love moments like that, and I could probably go and I maybe we'll get into this more when we get into more of these things in the future. Um, but I love those moments and they stick in my mind of when you're knocked out of your um, current way of thinking and to f- being forced to think of something different. Not that it's always that you were wrong and now you're right, but I love those moments of being forced to, to reassess things. And I, I, I'm probably going to say that over and over and over about how I want to reassess things and relook at things. But that's, that's kind of how I was... I feel it. I feel like how I was taught to um, to 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? To sure, not just accept what you're told, but to really delve deep into the the scriptures. Like was it the Barameans or whatever that, that that Paul talked about? Like I um, how he really admired them for not just accepting everything that was taught to them, but they really studied the scriptures to see if that was accurate. Yeah, carefully. Yeah, is this guy actually telling us the right thing in th- on this point in this right. point? Right, and this I, point, so I, that's one reason I, lo- I love those. I love those moments. Would you remember the sunny days we shared? And all the laughter and joy before the rain. And I think a lot of those epiphanies happen, their perspective changes. And you sometimes their perspective gifts. Someone can give you the perspective that they grew up with or that they fought for on their own. Um, And I think that's one reason why, you know, if everyone that I talk to on Sunday or everyone I work with or everyone I know thinks and acts and dresses and makes the same amount of money. You know, if, if we're all so similar, then I'm robbing myself of those, of those, uh, free perspective moments. I've got, I've got to just depend on my own. Um, and so I, I do, I, first of all, I think that's one reason why it's important to hear from women and why, you know, for me, small group was so amazing because I, I got to do that. But, uh, I think it also, are, we should be listening to people who are aren't polished and went to college, or people who from a different race or a different nationality, um, more. And the uh, amazing thing about the church is it's the most diverse uh, group of of people. Yeah, uh, that there, there's not a religion that's more widely diverse than than Christianity, because one of the things Jesus was doing was. Um, as, as he went and taught a lot of the, the things that don't stick out to us anymore were him saying, well, wait a minute, you know, what's wrong with the Samaritan or, um, remember that time when, uh, the prophet said, actually this Gentile town was, was better than this Jewish town. Um, he was trying to get them to open their eyes a little bit Yeah, to see those see those other and by the way dane is one of the dane is someone who really thinks things through and then can articulate them really well um and so you know he he has reasons for what he does i really appreciate that because i'll just go along with it for a long (laughs) time and so until someone kicks me out of it so um yeah some people are better better at that than others and we need a we need those people need to listen to yeah and i i i wish i mean you mentioned how the church is so diverse and it, 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 it is on a, I think on a global scale. And I would love to have churches in, in general, I'm not talking about the church of Christ, just any church in, in general. I'd love for churches to be more diverse because, and I'll, I'll never forget going to Oklahoma Christian the first time. Uh, I'm like, eh, what church am I going to go to today? You know, cause I've got to find a church, right? Yeah. So I looked up in the, the yellow pages which we had back then. And wow, that was a long yeah, time ago. Right. <laughs> and I looked under Church of Christ and there were like, I counted like 45 churches yeah. of Christ in Oklahoma City. And I was blown away. And I realized that what what's happening and uh, no surprise to anybody who's paying attention, but I was, I was 18. I wasn't paying attention to anything. I quickly realized that what's happening is that if you didn't like the style of songs over here, you go to another one. Or if you didn't like how many black people were at this church, you go to another one. All kinds of, you know, and it, every every single congregation was so homogenous and so the same. Everybody was the same, pretty much, not all of them. But that's that's what happens when we, we as humans, we tend to naturally kind of segregate ourselves in a lot of different ways, not just, you know, ethnically, but in a lot of ways. Because it, it's comfortable. It's comfortable to be around people who've had the same experience as us, like you mentioned, the same amount of money. So, you know, so when you want to go out for lunch after church, like one person has like the McDonald's budget and one person has like the 
like the steakhouse budget. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not uncomfortable. It's easy. But I think the more diversity we have in churches uh, along all kinds of lines, the better. And, and to the women's point, role point of things, there's, we're missing out on so much, like literally half of our congregation. It, we're just cutting it out saying, we don't want to hear from you and please go teach yeah. the kids. And I mean, I, I, we can go on and on about that. And I have, I, we got to like through like a third of my top, my topics. <laughs> uh, but I, we both know that this was going to happen. We probably don't have time for me to go talk about abortion and war and homosexuality and creationism and prayer <laughs> and the concept of the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll address those things later because the it's gonna it's gonna take a while. But did I just walk into the women's bathroom? Because I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> you comfortable? The, yeah. Whew, man, just saying some of those names, little, right? Some of those terms. Yeah. The something I thought of though that the diversity of churches. Uh, I want to go back to real quick. Yeah. It is. I think it's one of the most natural impulses on the planet this is what happens in every middle school cafeteria is it doesn't matter if if you had you know went to school in an amish settlement on an island and everyone was the same race and had the same clothes and upbringing kids would still figure out how to they would choose something else they would find some other way to distinguish themselves and have commonalities and differences it's yeah. just what we do and where we are right now is a very consumeristic church culture. And so the only way to end up with a diverse church, in my opinion, is to go to a church where you feel uncomfortable. Because if you, mm. if you ended up in a church where you feel where you, you do like the coffee and the decor and the way that the preacher dresses and the, where it is comfortably away from your house and, and what songs they choose you didn't realize it, but you were accidentally selecting for people who are just like you. Yeah. And what's going to happen when you go to a diverse church is some things, the sermon is going to be uncomfortably long <laughs> or they're, you know, they're all going to be wearing suits or, uh, you know, the, the coffee's going to be gross and the people are going to be old. Right. You know, it's, it's always, um, but, the you know going to a family reunion is is going to meet all the people you didn't have a choice with those people and so you do have those awkward uncomfortable moments and that's what happens when you're in a family and if you don't it's probably because you stopped inviting uncle joe and this person didn't feel welcome so i think the way forward is, is well i don't know i don't know how but I think it means being okay with feeling uncomfortable in church. Yeah. And I, I was recently told by someone uh, in leadership at a, at a church that they want the church to be a place where everybody feels comfortable all the time, where they can disconnect from the world outside and come in and just feel comfortable and feel at home. And on one level, yeah, I get that, but there's so much about following God that is uncomfortable. And like these, some of these topics we're, some of these topics we're going to get into are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's if I, if I wasn't, if I was never made uncomfortable in a church, it would mean that I am the spiritual equivalent of a vegetable. Yeah. I, I have not, I have not pushed up against an abrasive personality or a thing that I disagree with. I don't think you should. The end should not be abrasion. Um, but if the if the end is comfort, then I think you'll you'll get it. But there's a there can be a high cost because some some people maybe need need to feel uncomfortable. And I don't mean uh, the the joke about you know who should feel uncomfortable in church. Should it be the sinners, or should it be the the bitter, judgmental, <laughs> yeah, Christian? 
you know? Um, but what we accidentally do when we're trying to make things comfortable, which is, is kind of a second de- second degree theology away from unity or encouragement, fellowship, th- those are all good things. But what you'll end up doing is walking on eggshells a lot. Yeah. Because if you have a room of more than five people and you're making them all happy, you're, you're compromising a lot of things. And, and there's going to be in a room of a hundred people, there's going to be five people that are just, you know, they're just abrasive or they're, you know, they need, they're people who need to be called out sometimes or they're, or they're hurting people or, you know, I, I think that, you know, especially as an elder of a church of Christ, so much effort goes into putting out fires of people mm-hmm. who have just gotten offended or, or conflicts that happened. Um, and we're, and we're trying to keep those people comfortable, but you know, like I've worked at stores where we know who the problem consumers are that come in. Yeah. So our job is to be respectful to them, but to change our behavior to like, Hey, you know, it's not okay that you did that. I, I've said that to people in a Lowe's before, but um, I think it's hard to, yeah, it's c- comfortable is not the word I would have chosen for what I want church to be. Well, I, like we've said already tonight, the comfort is, that's comfortable. <laughs> it's what you, yeah. it's what you automatically drift toward is comfort. And I, th- I think that, Church needs to be a place, not worship, I mean, but like the, the church needs to be a place where there is some comfort because we need we need that in our lives. But it also needs to be a place where there is almost purposeful discomfort sometimes. It's just like, I think of it as like spiritual weightlifting. You don't lift pillows to, to get in yeah. shape. You lift something that's hard for you to lift a lot. And you do that over and over and, and your muscles are sore because you kind of tore up the fibers or whatever, and then it grows back stronger. But if all you have is spiritual pillows in your life and everything's nice and fluffy, then you're never going to expand your mind and your heart and your relationship with God. You're going to stay right where you were. And yeah. I think that it, it's a, there's a, obviously it's a balance that's hard to, hard to hit, but I, I want to make sure that um, and that's maybe why I have gone down the path of rethinking a lot of things. Cause sometimes I want to force myself to be uncomfortable about some stuff and to think uncomfortable things. Um, cause I, I hope that through that and through like these conversations with you, that we can like stretch ourselves and sometimes maybe hurt things. And I'm sore tomorrow thinking about this stuff maybe, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully that'll help me follow God better and be closer to him and have a better relationship with him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, I think of it like the gym analogy is so good because if, if you're comfortable all the time, then what you don't know is, could I be going faster? Could, could I be going farther or, or doing more? If you're in pain all the time, that that's a problem. And I, I feel like actual gyms are a lot like churches for, for people today. Like I, I know people who, religiously go to their gym and i i think that they feel like they go into gym and they do get to um let go of the stress of life mm-hmm. temporarily they're in a community it feels great um it's a refuge that's that's good but they're doing something they're sweating they're doing something really difficult and so that those things you know you can have a a church that's a refuge um but you can also, you can be sweating, you can, you can be pushing, you can be, there can be discomfort. Um, and, and the refuge is that the things that our goal, um, our aim there is so different than it is, uh, when we're just yeah. at work, the the people around us pushing us love us. And we are, we are trying to be filled with, uh, the spirit so that we can go back out. But it's, you know, um, it shouldn't just be, you know, like sitting down with Netflix and my, my favorite <laughs> snack and just, you know, yeah, there's work to be done. Uh, that's, you know, yeah, there's work to be done for sure. 
I think we're going to have to come back and, and see the, the rest of the list. <laughs> At least maybe, maybe another half or third of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. This is awesome. And uh, I can't wait for each one of those topics to be to dive into. They're all bottomless. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. See ya. I had been screaming. We're really glad you joined us for our discussion today. For show notes and contact info, please go to followingthefire.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a review wherever you happen to get your podcasts. And special thanks to Daniel Wheat for our music. You can find more of his stuff on Spotify and Apple Music. See you later. But even on my heart Can't compare with what your words